Hello. As uh, David was singing the song, it reminded me of the story of David and Goliath. You know, have you ever wondered why David picked up a five stone? You know, I mean, obviously he's a man of faith. He just needed one to shut down the Goliath. Why did he pick up five? Um, it's because Goliath had four brothers. And um, I believe that many of us have won the battle today, but there are many battles to come. And I want to do something before I share God's word. In um, this is the heart of David. If you ever read Book of Psalms, like one of my favorite book uh, in the Old Testament, he says, "Why are you downcast, O spirit? Lift up God." Who is David talking to? Himself. You know, we as Americans, we're taught to listen to our hearts. Bible never tells us to listen to hearts because our hearts from it spring forth evil thoughts. Bible always says speaks to your heart. So today we're going to speak to our heart. Let's do that before we hear God's word. Some of you, your hearts are saying you're not beautiful. Some of you are saying you're not worthy. Some of you have been scarred in your hearts and you're listening to the hearts. But today, let's speak to our hearts. The truth, the voice of the truth that God has given us through His Word. Amen? So let's do that for about a few minutes. This is, let's pray to God. Let's just speak to our hearts right now before we hear God's Word here today. So let's do that right now. Let's just go to God and pray. Lord God, we just want to pray, Lord God, as we speak to our own hearts today, Lord Father. We speak the truth, Lord God. And what the enemy has put into our hearts and our minds, Lord God, we want to take that away. We want to condemn it, Lord God. We just want to speak truth. Because, Lord God, through this, Lord Father, let it bring forth the world springs of life, Lord God. And, Lord Father, we speak truth in the name of Jesus that you will come. And, Lord God, stir, Lord God. And, Lord God, you speak the gospel of Jesus Christ into our hearts, Lord God. Yes, Lord Father, we praise you. We give you all your glory today. Oh, Lord God, we pray, Lord God, today as we hear your word, Lord Father, may your spirit, Lord God, stir, Lord God, in our hearts today, Lord Father. Yes, Lord God. Father, we... Lord God, we just want to speak truth into our hearts. Uh, many times our hearts will speak lies to us. But we want to speak the truth. That we've been bought, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are worthy. For you have called us worthy. We thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, just wanted to know how many were not here yesterday. Raise your hand. Okay, wow. A lot. Okay. So... Today, if you weren't here yesterday, you may not understand the full story of what happened, part two of my story. So I'm going to briefly, so if you were here yesterday, please, uh, I'll, I'll briefly let me share where we left off. Um, I was in China last year, and God was doing some tremendous things while we were there. For example, we were called because this lady was demon-possessed. And we were asked to go and pray for them. So it was me and several of our guys. We went and prayed for her. And as soon as we walked into the mental hospital, you knew as you looked at her, something wasn't right. Her whole lips were purple. Her face was different color. She kept whispering, please help me. Please help me. Save me. You know, I, I want to have this thing come out of me. And, and it, it, it literally, you knew she was possessed with the evil spirit. So many of us, we began to pray for her for many hours in the name of Jesus. We commanded by the authority that Jesus Christ has given us, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we began to pray for this woman who's been possessed by the evil spirit. We, I think we prayed for about two hours. And we went back home, and one of the guys who came home instantly was sick with fever. So we had to go back. We prayed for her, and when we went back a year later, she was completely healed. And now she's a missionary. You know, so God was doing some amazing things, like incredible, miraculous things. And, um, and the story began with that. And briefly, let me share what I shared yesterday. And when we were there, I met this lady who had a vision and dream. She saw these five symbols over and over again. She saw symbols of Z. She saw a symbol of a dome, a cave, and a sheep in the cave, sheep outside the cave, and, a, and a, a, like a checker shape. And I said that... Um, 
Instantly, when I saw it, I knew exactly what it meant. The Z represented that God was taking her to a different path. The dome was actually a cave, darkness that exists in China. And the sheep are little children who are caught in darkness. And the sheep outside is that God, I believe God is calling you to move out, you know, rescue these kids who are caught in the darkness. And the checker ship is actually a building. God wants to build an orphanage to you. And she begins to weep. And then she pulls out another piece of paper with the exact same drawing. With this time, with her own interpretation. And it matched mine word by word. We felt like there was divine calling. God wanted me to work with her to build an orphanage. I told her, and I'll be going to the countryside in five days. Give me all the necessary plan to build an orphanage. All the budget, all the legal necessity of how to build an orphanage in China. She'll do that. Next day came as I was going to the, uh, 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 to the countryside. She was waiting for me at the lobby because she was so excited. She said, I couldn't sleep last night. I stayed up all last night researching how to build the legal way of building orphanage in China. And here's the 10-page document. So I took it, put it in my iPad. I went to the countryside. In the countryside that we're going was a lot of persecution among, uh, among Christians were going on still. So they were very cautious of us. They would only allow five of us, even though we had about 15 people in our team, to go to this countryside. We were packed into the small car. They drove us into the building. We actually got out of the building. We were not allowed to walk around the city at all. We were only allowed to walk from one building to the next building, which is neighbor from the house that we're staying and the house that we were worshiping. About 60 to 70 uh, church leaders all over China came, underground church pastor came to get training. And some of them drove literally like two days to get there. Day and night, every day from 9 in the morning to 9 p.m., we would preach God's word. They were so hungry for God's word. And the second day when I was preaching God's word, in the middle of my preaching, the police came and raided us. And, and instantly, I got arrested, my translator got arrested, and the owner of the house got arrested. We were locked up in a little cell, maybe one-third of this stage. And the story goes, I sat there, and suddenly I got Wi-Fi connection only when I was sitting in my bed. So I downloaded free uh, text messaging app. I began to text message everybody I know, please pray for me. And everybody I know was praying for me. People in Philippines was praying for me. People in the church, people I don't even know was praying for me. And like I mentioned, that we're going to Hong Kong in a couple of days. The pastor, I've never met this Pastor John, was talking to one of the pastors that was with me, and he says, oh, is that Pastor James who got arrested in China? You know, so everybody in the world was praying for me, and we believe God moves when we pray. You know, power of prayer. Instantly, I'm sitting there. They didn't know what to do with me. They brought higher officials, higher, higher, and finally the highest official of the police station comes and sits in front of me and says, you're in trouble. You broke five of our laws. You begin to lay every law by book, reading the book of the law, how you have broken our laws. One law, you know, we will find you. Two law, you know, whatever. Third law, we can deport you. But breaking five laws, we're, you're allowed for punishment and put in prison. You know, it was funny because um, I didn't share this last week because I actually didn't have my passport. And the translator told me, don't ever, ever give your passport. Because once you give your passport, that's it. It's a done deal. You'll get deported. And he says, well, where's your passport? I said, well, I don't have my passport. He says, you don't have your passport. We're going to take you right now to city prison. I said, oh, never mind, my passport is home, I'll get that. So they actually went back and got my passport. So he's sitting there, and this, I, I, I shared a story how David, you know, the one who just gave testimony, he's a you know, graphic designer, he designed this pamphlet with God, they wanted to bring, and it's, it's actually epidemic, going, not epidemic, that's really not a good word, it's, it's a, a movement happening in China right now. You know, <laughs> epidemic is a bad word. Better word is movement. Movement that's going on in China, and you're reading a lot of this, in, uh, even in CNN, a lot of news, these underground churches are actually coming above, you know, revolting against the government. And there's actually more persecution going on now because of that. And the church that we were at, they wanted to come above and, and literally start a new movement in the whole city. So they made these flyers, you know, thousands of these flyers that says Jesus is the way, you know, and David, they, were asked, they asked David, please don't put our church name, don't put any of our people's name, don't put any of our church members' name. And the only picture that David had that was an Asian pastor was a picture of me. So I was in the front of this postcard that, that was supposed to bring revival in China. And I thought it was hilarious, so I took it, put it in my iPad. But when I got arrested, remember, they took my iPad, so they saw this postcard, and they thought I came to do some crazy revival meeting. And they said, you're in major trouble. Without any permit, what are you doing? And finally, the story ends with, he takes out the piece of paper. Remember the piece of paper that 
the lady actually you know, made a document of orphanage. He said, are you building orphanage in China? And I said, yes, yes, I'm building orphanage. And he says, because you came to do great work in my country, I'm going to completely let you go without any penalty. You know? And so he completely let me go. It was incredible because I just I went to China about two months after, two months ago, and I was so afraid that they were going to kick me out because I thought my name would still be in some kind of registry for being deported. But actually, I, I, there was no record of me anywhere. It's incredible because I didn't share this last week. Because when they were when they, when I got arrested. We had to write five-page documentation of why I was here. I had to name everybody, even my pet's name, when I was writing this document. Where I lived, what, what my, you know, I mean, they were just drooling me. Oh, this is a funny story. I didn't share this. So, so I got arrested, right? So I'm pretty scared, you know? I'm like, and, but, but because I had a translator, I was able to think a little bit. Because he would speak, the translator would translate to me, and you know, I, knew, I wanted to make sure I knew what I was saying. Because they were asking a lot of personal information, like where do you live, how much money you make, you know, and all these important. Because I thought somehow they're going to go and find out if I lie, they'll you know catch me and I'll get in trouble. So I was so happy that there was a mediator, translator translating between us. So in in the middle, I was arrested for a couple hours, right? So in the, about two hours later, they bring another man in who speak Korean fluently. Because he said, I don't want a translation. I want to speak to you fluently. Are you Korean? I said, yes, I'm Korean. And he began to speak to me in Korean. And I sat there and I said, 한국말 몰라요. (laughs) Help me, Jesus, I lied. (laughs) And he goes, you're Korean? You don't know how to speak Korean? 한국말 몰라요. That's how I said (laughs) So he finally was frustrated. He left. So that gave me a little more time to... I mean, they were prepared. They were prepared, you know. So um, so finally, he lets me go, right? He lets me go. And I'm going back to the city, you know, going back to the house. And my crazy team were just t- joking around earlier when we were having dinner, you know. Oh, New Philly, thank you for hosting us. You guys are amazing. Let's give New Philly amazing. They're just amazing people. You know, I, I just... Um, I love coming to Korea, and Christian and Aaron is like amazing. Thank you very much. And um, we're having dinner today, and uh, I, for a moment, I realized something that I didn't realize earlier. I said, because you know, Jimmy was there. Those five of us, David and Jimmy, who's in part of the 14 team, two of them were with us when I got rested. And Jimmy was sitting next to me. I said, Jimmy, you know when I got rested? Why didn't you do anything? You could at least said, if Pastor James go, I go too. You know. <laughs> Nobody did that. They always like, what do we do? What do we do? <laughs> and anyway, I realized, man, thanks for that loyalty, you know? Because I'm sure if Christians with a couple of fellow, you know, Christian got arrested, all of them would say, Pastor Christian, you did get arrested? Oh, we get arrested too, you know? But all of them, they're all, yeah? Amen? Right? Right? Yeah, they would all got up and said, you go, I go. Where you go, I follow, right? Not my team. They said, what do we do, okay? <laughs> Not my team. My team is just sitting there. We're in trouble. What do we do? I just remember my son was there who was 11 years old. And I just said to the, one of the leaders, I said, please, whatever happens to me, just take care of my son. That was my last word to them. So, you know, they allow me to go free. And as I go, I get to the house that we were staying in. They were so, like, everyone was freaked out. No one has ever experienced this. You know, none of the underground churches have experienced this. So they didn't know what to do, you know. And um, I was just reading some of the journal so that some of our leaders were, were writing who were there. And, and they said that half of them left because they knew that the government could take away their business, their house. And even they're afraid of their own underground church people. It's obvious, you know. They could take arrest everybody and get names of every Christian, you know. So half of them left. And... Um, my team, they're just, so they were not allowed to leave that place. And praise Jesus, I don't know, for some reason, David was the only one who had toothbrush in his guitar case. And I would have never done it. I don't care if I get rested, but they begin to share one toothbrush, which is just weird. I, ne- I would never do that. So we get there. As soon as we get there, we're ready to go because we want to leave the countryside right away. And as we're leaving, the police came in, and I don't know why. They came in probably to check, make sure we left. And so when I went back, I asked the lady, what is going on? And this is where we left off yesterday. What's going on? And um, she says, well, in China, 
these evil men, these criminals, they are um, kidnapping kids, orphans. And they would maim them, cut off their arms, their legs. And there's a picture here um, that we have uh, of one of the girls who uh, was interviewed. And she says, uncle, my uncle did this to me. They call him uncle. Um, they would cut off their arms. Uh, they completely broke her, her, her leg, and they wrapped around her. Uh, why? Because so that they can beg for more money. Uh, it's all about money. And if they're not meeting certain criteria, certain amount, they're beaten, um, they're starved, they don't see any of the money. Um, we hear stories of, of what saddens me is... Um, this is not only being done by criminals, but families are doing to their own kids. Because these poor families who don't have money and way to survive, uh, I have a good missionary friend uh, who is in China right now, and um, he said that the parents would get hot boiling water and burn their kids. Um, and um, they're sent out there to beg because the families are starving. So this is it's happening with these criminals. It's happening with... Um, these kids, and uh, I have a good friend in LA um, who has a business in China, and he would, he, I asked him to research what's going on, because what I was afraid is that this was a huge mafia thing, and if it was, we go there, we will get killed, um, and we found out that these are low-life criminals who are doing these things to these kids, and how can you not do anything? How? I said, I'm going to raise money. I'm going to come back. And we're going to build an orphanage for these kids. That's where the story ended last night. I emailed the pastor of the underground church. Please, could you help me? Um, you know, I want to go and do this. And they instantly said, I'm sorry. We can't help you. you know, first, you don't understand that these men are evil. If they're willing to do these to innocent, cute kids, imagine what you will do, they will do to you if you're caught. But not only that, you get to go home. We live here. If they find out what we're doing, they're going to come and raid our church. They'll kill everybody. We don't want that. Please, we can't help you. So... What do I do? Do I not go? But I have to go. How can I not go? So me, David, Brian, and Michelle, four of us, we're going to go and rescue these kids. No matter what happens to us, no matter what we encounter, we will go and rescue these kids. We were all pretty scared. In fact, last day, I had the guy sleep over at my house. And uh, we joked around and said, we're going to have our last supper. <laughs> my wife cooked really great food, and we invited one pastor to come and pray for us. And um, the next day, we were to go to China. It was the most emotional experience. Uh, because my two kids, Jocelyn and Joshua, she's like 10 and 5. Really didn't know what was going on, but my son Josh, Jonathan knew what was going on because we were posted on Facebook. We would talk about it. He was there when I got arrested, and um, I don't think I've ever seen my son cry in front of me. But as I was leaving, he was hugging me and he was just weeping because he knew we could potentially never come back. It, it was very emotional. Um, so we got on a plane and we flew to China. This is the story of what happened. We get there, and God completely turned everything around. We had only a certain amount of time to be in China to rescue these kids and build an orphanage. We spent 50% of the time trying to convince the underground churches to help us. Because they had the money, they had the manpower, 
the biggest church in China, in that city. We need your help. I understand that this is risky, but we need your help. But for some reason, they would not budge. In fact, this is what they said to me. Our meetings went hours. Most of our energies were talking to them. And they said, Pastor James, you Americans, you think you could come to China with your money and just build an orphanage? Pastor James, don't you understand? Building orphanages takes many months, if not years of planning. You can't just come and say you want to build an orphanage. It doesn't work that way. You need to plan. You need to, there's, it takes too much money. It takes too much time. There's no way. He says, it is impossible. You can't do it. Even if we wanted to help you, you can't do it. It is impossible. It takes many, many months of planning. You know how discouraging that was for us to hear? We flew all the way to China to build this orphanage. And we departed. I said, no. God called me to China to build an orphanage. It's never about time. I said, let's call the lady. So we called her and we met her at KFC. I don't know. That was our meeting. We always met at KFC. <laughs> and from that point out, I would never eat KFC again. You know, we ate so many KFC. So we sat there and she sat in front of me and I said, I want to build this orphanage. And within 10 minutes, she says, let's go right now. Let's do it right now. And this is what she said. She said, if we can't build an orphanage, I will adopt as many as I can as my kids. Let's go right now. And I said, okay, let's go right now. (laughs) So we got in the car. And we're like, wow, we sat four days, I think, talk, trying to convince these underground church pastors that we have to do this. He says, impossible. In 10 minutes, she says, let's do it. So we get in the van, in a car, and we drive around looking for, first, a place that we can host and make it a new home for these kids. Let me tell you, it was so emotional. We found this beautiful building. One room is half of the size. It's this huge empty, empty space. And I close my eyes. And I see kids running, laughing. And I just started to weep. And you know why I wept? Because it only costs... a month to rent this place. $120. I had to literally go into another room and I just started to weeping uncontrollably. I said, Lord, I have more than $120 worth of clothes on right now. I said, if I sell my watch, I could rent this place for several months. begin to break, Lord. What are we doing with the blessing that God has given us? $120 a month. I said, we'll take this place right now. And we're going to renovate it. We're going to make this place beautiful. So that every kid's kid that we rescue will be have this beautiful home and then we went out in the streets looking for these kids and we ran into many kids many homeless kids many kids who are are forced to beg out there and 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 it just it's incredible it was pouring raining that day and we said there's no way kids will be out there it was pouring Literally, like, you know how it was raining here. It was pouring, raining. And we said, there's no way kids will be out there. We said, let's just, let's just go out anyway. Even in the pouring rain, kids are out there begging. It was funny because um, by the middle, 
our translator, who was part of the underground church, says, I will no longer interpret for you. He just got up and said, I can't do it. So we had no interpret. We had no interpreter. So we don't have the church. We have no one to interpret Chinese for us. And only person that spoke Chinese was David. Now David learned Chinese for three months that he was there. And his Chinese is really bad. <laughs> really bad. And I know it's really bad because even... Even when he didn't understand, he would just go, choo, 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 choo. you know, that's, a, that's how he spoke Chinese. And I knew that was really bad. But here's the thing. We lost our interpreter. So the only person that was interpreting for us was David. It was incredible crazy. It was crazy. And I'm going to go a little bit further how crazy this is. And one day we were out there, and this, so it was pouring raining. And this kid is, is, is out there, and he is so, you could see it in his face. He was so tired. He was no longer even begging now. And David goes out there and starts talking to them. And we were, we were very cautious because the lady told us that, this is where her exact word. It says, you understand what you're doing. When you come and take these kids, you're taking their ATM away. So we were very cautious. We wanted to make sure that uh, no one was, you know, watching us. You know, they could kidnap us. They could hurt us. And, and in fact, one time when there was this girl who was begging, uh, one of the church leaders at that time in the beginning told us that he actually saw a man who was watching over her, ran to get more help to bring back to hurt us, I guess. So David is interpreting. It's crazy. This guy learned Chinese in three months, Okay. He's out there. He goes and starts talking to this, this, this boy. And we're like, you know, we're just praying for him. We're looking around, make sure no one, you know, uh, everything's safe. And then David comes back and says, Pastor James, it's just, something's just really creepy. And I said, what is that? He goes, well, I keep telling these kids and these people, come with me. Come with me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like... My Chinese is so bad. All I was saying is, come with me. (laughs) Just come with me. (laughs) Every every one of them was saying, no. "No." (laughs) We don't want to go with you. Imagine a grown man going up to a boy and says, come with me. Like these kids was like, I don't want to go with you. <laughs> you know? We knew it was going to work. There's no way. Um, but <laughs> and then God spoke to me. God said, I'm not going to use you to rescue these kids. Because you don't have heart for these kids. And God was right. I mean, my heart is moved when I see it. Because I'm human. But I don't have heart for these kids. I'm not going to use you. I'll be honest with you. I went to China thinking I'll be a superhero. So you will not rescue them. Then who, Lord, I'm going to use this lady? I'm going to use the weak to shame the wise. And it made sense because David didn't speak any Chinese. And yet he's talking about leases, terms, condition, as we're renting this, this, this house. Incredible. Like David says, just words just came, came, like, just came. Like, there's no way. I said, David, wow, you're pretty good. You know? And... There are times when he didn't know how to say squirfy. He goes, choo, 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 choo. but you know, he still got the information across, right? And it was like, incredible, God. And here's the thing. We had a perfect translator. The translator that worked with the underground church, he was perfect bilingual. But I said, I'm not going to use him because I want to shame the wise. I'm going to use this man who can't speak Chinese. <laughs> I'm going to use him. And here's the thing. 
throughout the whole time we're documenting because we're making we're going to make a documentary about what's going on and we're documenting everything and this lady we wanted to film her tell the story about these kids and she says oh please don't film me and I, and I realized instantly why because her life is at stake we told her we said okay we understand we will block out your face so that no one can see your face and she said this that kind of blew us away she said pastor I am afraid but that's not why I'm asking you not to film me it's because I don't want to get any credit. And this is what she says. I just want to be shadow of God's glory. I just want to be a shadow of God's glory. And therefore, she says, my name is Shadow. Don't film me. It's such a beautiful story. And as she was with us the whole day looking for these kids, and we're amazed of her love for these children. You know, when we came back, without any exaggeration, for two weeks, all I did was cry. I couldn't stop crying. Every time I would pray in my personal prayer life, I would just weep. Because God now is giving me heart for these children. We would have prayer meetings. And some of the leaders are here. We would pray and just, I could not stop crying. I was in the corner just weeping for hours. Because God wanted to show me my heart. And as we're, you know, Leaving and she's giving us hug and she just held me so tight and she just kept saying thank you, thank you. And as she was leaving, one of guy named Brian is a big guy. Um, he's, we, we took a taxi back to our hotel. He sat at the front, and Brian, he just started to weep. I've never seen him cry before, and he just started to weep. And I said, Hey, Brian, are you okay? And he says, yeah, I'm okay. And he says, you know, Pastor James, I think Build Hope is just great. I said, yeah, it is great. He says, but not just the organization. I said, he said, it's so beautiful that we're able to build hope for this woman that she can live out the calling that God has called her to live. And he says, there's nothing more beautiful than that. So we now have a place. And we went through, once after I left, we went through a lot of legal shuffle. The government said, yes, we can do it. So we purchased it, and the Sony government says, no, you can't build an orphanage. It is really hard to build an orphanage in China. And all of us began to pray. And listen to what amazing thing God is doing in that orphanage the Chinese government comes back to her and says, we will let you build an orphanage if you build a private school. (laughs) Wait a second. You want us to build a private Christian school in China? We'll do it. (laughs) We're going to do it. So coming up school year, we're going to have a private kindergarten Christian school. And in that building will be these kids. And you know what we, we, what I've been praying for is that we don't just rescue these children, but that we can restore them back into the community. That's what we wanted. We want them to mix the people in the community, and when they go back into the community, they will change the, the city. That's what we wanted. That's what we've been praying for. That these children who are rescued will come back and be educated, learn so they can go back into the city and change China for Jesus Christ, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we prayed. I want to read God's word, and we're going to study a little bit of God's word here today. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 20. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 20. It's a little bit long, 10 verses. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 20. 
Hear the word of the Lord. You rulers of Sodom, listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitudes of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and fat, of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of a bull and a lamb and goat. When you come to appeal before me, who has asked this of you? This trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moon, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feast, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the cause of the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat and Eat the best of the land, but if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I want to speak a little bit about justice as this week is Justice Week, Freedom Weekend. I want to understand the heart of God as I come back to the story and what we're doing in China and Cambodia. Listen to verse 13. He says, stop bringing meaningless offering. Your incense is detestable to me. So I went and looked up the word meaningless in Hebrew. And the word meaningless in Hebrew is shatta. And the word shatta means priceless. It means literally no value. It means emptiness, worthless. What God is saying is, as we come to worship, don't bring things that, has, that doesn't even have value in your own life. He says, when you come to worship, don't bring things that is meaningless, that has no value, that is priceless. You know, when we come to God often, we come to, come to God with, with leftovers. You know, I truly believe a sacrifice has not been done unless there's a change of lifestyle in your life. If there's no change of lifestyle, you have not sacrificed. You have not given. Because God is not asking for leftover. God is asking for all. Sometimes we treat God like goodwill or salvation army. You know what I'm talking about, right? We no longer need this couch anymore, so we'll donate it to salvation army. You know, when we come to God with our offerings and sacrifices, it is only acceptable when He has meaning and value in our life. You know, just like last week, when we surrender to God, you know, when we surrender to God, God is asking us to surrender something that has value and meaning in our life. And when we come to God with no meaning and no value, it is worthless, the scripture says. And look what it says. It says, stop bringing meaningless offering. Your incense is detestable to me. You know the story in the book of John? John puts it in the beginning of the gospel. When Jesus walks into the temple, what does he do? He overturns the, what, the sacrifice offering. He overturns the money. Why is he so angry? Let me tell you why Jesus was so angry. You see, back in those days, it was, it was a law that, that, that during the celebration, that you had to come and bring sacrifice. You had to make pilgrimage to the Jerusalem temple. And what they were required to do is bring their sacrifice. But that took a lot of work. Imagine, many of them, the scripture says, would travel months to get to Jerusalem. So imagine if you have to bring a lamb, spotless lamb, to sacrifice to God. And you're traveling for several weeks to get to Jerusalem. What do you have to do? You have to take care of the lamb. You have to make sure you're feed it. And the lamb gets sick, you have to take care of it. You have to wash it, bathe it, feed it. It's a lot of work. So they had an idea. Why not purchase the sacrifice right before you go into the temple? It's just so easy. There's no requirement of work. There's no sacrifice involved. 
Why not just purchase a sacrifice right before you go into the temple? There's no need to take care of it. There's no need to make sure it doesn't get sick. If you get sick, you got to buy a new one. There's no need to take care of it. There's no need for sacrifice. Why not just, just buy it right there? And that's what Jesus was getting angry about. He overturned it. He says, we're not going to turn my house into a den of robbers. You see, if there is no value in what we sacrifice, if there's no meaning in what we do to sacrifice, it is detestable to me, he says. He says, your sacrifice are detestable to me. So I looked up the word detestable, and I was shocked. Because the word detestable in the Old Testament only describes for sexual sin. It was only used, only here it is used in this context. But every other context, it is describing for sexual sin. Your sexual sin, God would say, is detestable to me. And you know what God is saying? God is disgusted, he finds detestable of your meaningless sacrifice just as much as a woman or man going around and sleeping around with different guy and girl every night. He finds it detestable. And for so many of us, justice is a weekend. It is a lifestyle. It is who God has created us. If we see through the eyes of God, if we see through the lens of God, we see the injustice happening around the world, and we can't sit still. And what God is saying as I read this text, He says, your, meaning, your offering is meaningless unless you understand the justice in my heart for the injustice. That's what this scripture is all about. Look what he says. He says, Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the cause of the widow. And in Proverbs, he says, The righteous care about justice for the poor. The righteous care about justice for the poor. And the word care here literally means yavad, is the Hebrew word. And it is the most deep, intimate word for no. To know someone. The Avad. In fact, it is so intimate and deep. In the book of Genesis, it says, When Adam knew his wife, she bore him a child. That's the word there used. Yavad. To know. You see, it is such an intimate word to know that God uses the same language as a husband and wife make love. And produces a child. This intimate love that they happen when they're married. It is such an intimate word. What God is telling us is that if you are righteous, you understand intimately a need for justice in this world. That's what it means. I didn't have that. I didn't understand that. Sure, I scored a mission's. Sure, I, I, I do these things, feed the poor. But I didn't understand intimately what it means to love the poor and have justice of the injustice going on in this world. And that's why God said, I'm not going to use you, James. In fact, every orphanage that we built in Build Hope would never be in my name. Never. We will never own property. We will never control any orphanage. We will make sure that we are steward of it. We'll make sure that our people are taking care of it. But we will never, ever own it ourselves. No land, no title, no name. We want to be invisible. Because our heart is so that people can take care of the people in their own country and their own people. That's what we want to do. And I'll be honest with you. I'm a pastor of a good-sized church. And I didn't know justice. I didn't know justice. Not this kind of justice, of intimacy, using the word yavad, the most intimate word for knowledge. And what God was telling Isaiah is that all your sacrifice is meaningless, is detestable to me, if you're not understanding and moving and supporting justice. Don't you know what my heart is? It's for the fatherless. It's for the orphans. I pray God will make all of us understand that.
Understand what it means to love God intimately and knowing the heart of God. That we will be empowered, strengthened in His house so that we go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the fatherless, to the orphans, to the widows. Let's rouse up together. Let's, let's come together. And let's stand together. And it doesn't only happen in China. It's happening right now in your city. In your home. It's happening right now in this house. Even here. Imagine what a beautiful community will be if there was no need in this room. Someone is in need, therefore we help and support Verse 18 says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool, if you are willing and obedient. And I believe what God is doing is God is calling people to repent. Martin Luther says, all of life is repentance. And I believe God is calling all of us to repent of our lifestyle. I believe that God is calling to understand. Now, I'm not saying that you have to live poor. I believe God, I believe in the blessings of God. I believe God is going to flourish blessings in your life. I do believe that. But I believe that it is in proportion of your giving. It is in proportion of your time and stewardship. I pray that God will flourish blessing in this community. I believe that. But we understand that we have to have heart for justice. We have to have heart for justice. And, and I really understood when I was in China, because I thought I was going to go to save the world. But God said, I'm not going to use you. I'm going to use the weak. I'm going to use the weak to shame the wise. So build hope is really not about me. It's about what God is doing. And ever since that, I've been praying, Lord God, humble me. May I just be the shadow of your glory. And may you flourish in my life. I want to challenge you today. Do you have this kind of heart for justice? Do you have this kind of heart, this intimate yavad to know and intimately and when you do, I believe God opens your eyes to see the injustice happening in our own community. To see the hurt. Because in this room, as I was praying, someone's hurt. And here's the thing. I believe I move prophetically. I believe that. That is my gift. But... Once God opened my heart for injustice, my eyes of prophetic opened up so much more. I see the hurt. Sometimes when I'm talking to someone, I can see through them. Because what God has done is He's given me fresh eyes to see. And what God wants to do tonight, He says, before you see the injustice that goes on, let me heal you first. Let me touch you first. Let me heal the injustice done to you. And I was praying there and I felt there's somebody in this room who's been sexually molested when they were young. And they're hurt. It's affecting every relationship. There's someone in this room who was in a relationship that was abusive. A guy who took advantage of you and made you do things that you normally would not do. God wants to heal you that. God wants to heal of your relationship with your dad. God wants to touch this community. When I saw the injustice, God opened my eyes to the greater 
hurt of His people because the heart of it in justice is that God is hurting for those who need to see Him and hear His voice. That's the heart of injustice. You understand? The heart of God's injustice is that, that we open our eyes to see the hurting that God sees. We, God wants to open our ears to hear the cries of His people. That is the heart of injustice. It's not just going and helping the poor and feeding them. The heart of injustice is to see the heart of God of those who are hurting. And what I realized, this injustice is not just about helping those who are oppressed. It's about seeing in my community, in here, those who are hurting. Right now, those who are hurting. And God says, I see you. I see you. I hear you. I hear you. And let me tell you, when I came back from China, my eyes has opened so wide that it hurts sometimes when I sit and talk to someone. Because you have to understand, the heart of injustice is not helping the poor. The heart of injustice is seeing the heart of God. It's to see the heart of God. And tonight... We're not going to even talk about China. We're going to talk about your heart. And we're going to see what is going on in your heart and what God sees. Because some of you guys are putting this tough face, but in your heart, it's broken. How many of you guys can identify with me, huh? How many of you guys need God's touch today? Yeah? Would you allow God to move through these people in leadership to touch your life? Be vulnerable. Allow them to pray over you. Allow healing to begin and restoration to begin. And it made sense why God is so much for justice. Because it's not about feeding the poor and oppressed. It's about understanding the heart of God. And once I saw, and I'm not over-exaggerating, for two weeks, every day I cried. Every day I cried. Because then I began to see the person, oh man, this guy gives me such a hard time in my church. Jerk. That's what I was thinking. But when I began to see his real heart, I began to read for him. Because that's what seeing injustice is about. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. If we get the house light, I want to pray for some of you that really needs the touch of God right now. Can we get the house light and with all our eyes closed?